Like, what better way to come like back to like mental health campaigning than to come with you? Yes. Well, I need to snip it that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Ahoy and welcome to the Open Journal Blogcast. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, education, starting conversations and looking at some of the tools that support our well-being as well. I'm Mike and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to Open Journal. I hope you are well. Today's episode is episode 210 and it it really feels like we're hitting quite a lot of episodes now, particularly because today's guest is a returning guest and kind of after our conversation I got a, a quick message from them to say the last episode that they were on was episode number 39 um wow it just it doesn't feel like that it 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 feels like a little while but it doesn't feel quite that long um so yes today's guest i'm delighted to welcome back angela aka doris to the podcast i'm just absolutely delighted to have had the opportunity to sit down with angela um recently and just hear kind of what's going on for her to have a brief look back uh, at the the online conversation that many of you who who kind of follow Angela will know um MH chat are those Monday evening conversations I think are are something that will live quite long in the memory for those of us that were members of that um kind of Twitter chat Twitter conversation group we also talk a little bit about some of Angela's campaigning, some of the work that she's done, um, and sometimes some of the toll that that takes on us, on our our mental health and on our wellbeing. Um, And we also have a a lovely conversation about therapy. Um, And I think this is a real kind of mental note for myself as well, to try and have more of these conversations, um, not just here on the podcast, but just in, air quotes, normal life, in, in everyday conversations. I think 
um, particularly I think after we'd finished it kind of still really resonated with me the importance of kind of normalizing the 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 conversation of therapy of the different roles that it can play the different times uh, reasons why we why people go into or access therapy um so i've yeah i've really enjoyed um i really enjoyed our conversation it was it was awesome um i i can't say enough how much um people like like angela and and hannah from a couple of weeks ago have um they've both had such a huge impact on on my lived experience on my kind of recovery journey that is ongoing um they are two amazing amazing people um and have done there are similarities with some of the the online conversations um but they were very different groups there were quite different conversations that were had and they have both got um really interesting and very different stories as well um so i'm really proud that kind of the start of this year um i've been able to sit down and have conversations with two people that have been hugely important um in in my lived experience of of mental health illness uh, and having the opportunity as i say recently to sit down and and talk to doris uh, angela (laughs) um it just was was really amazing um so yeah i'm really grateful so massive thank you to angela for coming on again and for kind of talking us through some of her lived experience and and what that's been like um and as i said some of the amazing things that she's done as an advocate or a campaigner for for mental health but also sometimes some of the impact that that can have as well i think that's a really important thing to acknowledge as we see kind of um really positively more and more people kind of uh getting proactively involved in campaigning or advocating for mental health support for services for different projects i think it's really important to allow them to express some of the struggles and some of the impacts that do come as part of that campaigning work so a big thank you to angela for coming on um i really look forward to to speaking to you again soon um hopefully that's on the podcast but it can also be away from here as well i um i did i don't think we spoke about this when we had our conversation but i i I do (laughs) remember i do remember i'm pretty sure there was an exchange of uh i think it was facebook messenger songs um so yes there are there are conversations that happen outside of this chat and i think for me it's it's a reminder that while we make some of these connections as part of the 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 work or the proactive things that we do within kind of the mental health field there are some real uh there are some real relationships there are some real um friendships that are are built as part of the things that we do and i think that was kind of reminded to me when uh kevin recently mentioned um, on Twitter, I think he was reflecting on uh, as part of a, another mental health. I don't know if it was a mental health conversation. I think it was just a general online conversation. Um, and he mentioned um, Angela's MH Hour, and we kind of got talking and reminiscing. And then I think a few other people kind of added into that as well. Um, and there can be real moments that are part of our journeys that have a huge impact. And maybe you go on to talk to those people on a regular basis. Maybe you talk to them. <laughs> 
<laughs> every six months or every year or whatever. Um, but there are, yeah, there are real strong relationships. There are real strong moments in people's journeys and their recovery, just just in their life, that are that are happening as part of these discussions. So a massive thank you to to Angela for for hosting something that allowed that to happen. But also for all of the work that that she does in a, in a range of different campaigns and projects, um, and I know she's hoping to do a few things this year as well, and, and seeing kind of where that goes. Um, so I wish her the best of luck with those um, upcoming, ongoing, potential future things. Um, and I look forward to speaking to her again very very soon. I hope you all really enjoy this episode and enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Um, if you are interested in coming onto the podcast yourself in the future, you can find information over at openjournalbc.com. And that's got information about becoming a guest or making an inquiry. Um, and it would be amazing to have some new guests coming on. We've got a range of, of new guests coming up over the next couple of months and also a couple of people returning um, as well. So I really look forward to to sharing those conversations with you and, and hopefully maybe speaking and hearing from some of you as well. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I look forward to speaking to you again very, very soon. And until then, remember, you're not alone out there. I feel like I'm doing a full circle almost. It is... It is weird, isn't it? I think there are different different cycles happening at different times. Mm. Um, but it was interesting seeing the other day the I say the other day, it could have been months ago now. I feel like it was maybe a couple of weeks ago where you mentioned Twitter. Of, yeah, like the coming back and doing the was it like the school talk? Um, it, no, it was the um, the chat mental health hour or whatever it was called. Oh no, there was something before that. I feel like you'd mentioned about yeah that popped up, but I'm sure before that I'd seen you. Spe- Maybe it was like a oh looking back like this time in a previous year or something. Maybe. Uh, so I'd seen something from you, and then I saw I think it was like a couple of weeks. Was it? Maybe these are completely different timelines. Maybe it's months later. And then there was the thing the other day. Um, with with the chat and it was just they're really nice kind of reflection points I think mm. to kind of look back and think about um yeah like what that experience was like and kind of what it has meant since yeah um like the the chat was such it was it the felt, start of it all yeah it felt such a massive thing didn't it I think mm. um I guess before we get into that, we've kind of skipped over a bit of a, a reintroduction and <laughs> even an intro, really. I'll work that one out later. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, just for, for people, I guess, that, that haven't kind of followed your story or your journey before or our conversations, um, kind of give us a kind of a brief introduction to, to you and who you are. Um, so I'm Angela. Um Years ago, I was known as the mental health blogger when I used to blog about mental health anonymously. And then I moved over to Unapologetically Angie when I decided to use my name and my face. Um, And I've kind of taken a break from mental health campaigning for the last year and a half. And I'm now back full force and (laughs) ready to take over the world again. (laughs) 
Well, it's... hoping. <laughs> <laughs> it may not go well. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's been it feels like it's been ages and no time, mm. but I guess that is just the nature of kind of the last year or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a strange one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. let's not even get into that um yeah uh but yeah kind of I guess our our interactions definitely didn't start with um but kind of early doors were around kind of you you hosting that kind of online conversation and um I think at the either at the time or around that sort of time there are a few different kind of online conversations that were happening around mental health or different subjects mm-hmm. but um it always felt like there was quite a, a a particular community or a group um that were involved with the the chats that you were hosting and i think um the fact that there were like we say there's still reflections on it now yeah. um from people that kind of participated i think is a, a really big thing for mm. for the conversations that were happening like what what does it feel like now kind of looking back and, and thinking about kind of what the chat was but also about that impact that that you and the chat have had on people I think at the start I didn't think anything would come of it and I think it's only in reflection like many things hindsight's a wonderful thing mm. but I think it's as time's gone on especially the other day when people were kind of reflecting on that chat that I realized what a difference it's made and that I know for like one individual, they came to Twitter looking for some sort of hope that other people knew what they were feeling. And they found that in the chat. And like, it, like I'm genuinely smiling right now, thinking that I was able to create an environment where people were able to talk about mental health openly and to learn from each other. And sometimes when I think back at it, I miss it. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to make it again and start it up again. But I'll never be able to create that again because times have changed. We're all in different places. We've all moved on. Twitter's different. The mental health community is very different. It's evolved a lot since, you know, sort of four or five years ago. But I think it was amazing, like in reflection, it's amazing that I was able to be part of like, the beginning of like a mental health conversation on social media and like I'm, I'm pretty proud of that yeah I think um I, I'm really pleased that you're proud of it because I think sometimes you you think uh it's difficult for people to I guess understand or acknowledge like how much of an input or an impact they've had on on different people mm. and I think that really was as you said it was quite a key time that kind of mental health was was starting to be spoken about a little bit more openly um, and I think particularly the way that um, kind of your chat was focused, mm. um, it wasn't, or very very rarely was it ever kind of a general conversation. It was quite quite um, specific, and it was people yeah. talking about their own experiences. And I think that's something that we're still kind of not really fully seeing at the moment like uh, there's a, a much greater awareness many many more conversations happening about mental health but very much in a general sense yeah still very rarely personally do I feel that we, we're hearing people talk about their experience so when we sort of say oh look back it was the beginning it was sort of four or five years ago actually there's still something there that isn't kind of being replicated on a wider scale and that was people sharing personal stories and people learning and understanding from 
other people's stories and i think that's a really kind of um uh i guess really important role to to have to kind of facilitate and to to host those type of conversations i totally agree i think people's stories I've always said it like your story is the most important thing that you own and it holds so much power but also um you, especially with mental health it's not something you can physically see you know they can't do an MRI and physically see what it is that you're thinking so the only way to share that and to have other people understand what it is that you're going through is to speak about your story and to say what it is that you're going through. And the mental health conversation has evolved so much, but really only on a level of anxiety and depression. Mm. It doesn't really go much further than that. And I think that's where actually there's still so much work to be done. Yeah, I think that's a a big thing that I, I guess I feel is starting to be touched on by some people Mm. kind of this level of like okay that's great like there's good uh a good level of um i guess awareness support or information around um anxiety depression and maybe i would say to some extent kind of ocd and eating disorders are starting to come into that conversation um but more more complex illnesses and more complex symptoms are are kind of still not openly discussed and are, are still very much in that situation where uh, kind of anyone you speak to will always talk about the difficulty of kind of getting diagnosis the difficulty of getting support or services um and again i think that's where kind of conversations like the ones that you were hosting at the time i think really played a big role in those of us that felt able to kind of absorb and and listen to to other yeah. people's situations were really having a, a real sense of kind of awakening of of what other people were affected by of having the opportunity to to learn and to hear about those and I think that really sort of shows the side of um it's it's a it's a form of support I guess yeah that that people can access and when it's so difficult for you to get into like a service or somewhere seeing and being part of of something like that where you can have those discussions I think is um is really important and always felt um considering how informal it felt it also felt very safe and very protected um so it must have been quite a lot of, of of thinking and um kind of mental pressure on you to kind of keep it keep it feeling like that at the time do you know what I never thought of it like that never I I always planned it well in advance I had to sort of have you know I'd draft out all these different topics I wanted to do and the questions Mm. but I think it was it never felt like all the pressure was on me because in the end we became our own little community you know every Monday night we would turn up and you know you'd sort of have the same sort of people and then you'd have you know a few extras who would sort of like come in but because I think of the fact that we were sort of like a community we kind of held each other up so I never felt like it was all on me to to sort of keep keep it going like I I don't know how to explain it but I never ever saw it as like a like a burden to host it but I think it just ran I just got to a point in my life where 
you know, I was doing my degree and then I was going to move abroad and it just, and I wasn't doing too well myself. Mm. And it just came to a point where it was kind of like, I can't keep this going and keep, I guess in a way, yeah, keep everyone safe when I'm not great myself. So there I had to put myself first and then the chat had to stop. But I think it came to a natural end anyway. Yeah, I think, I think, you you get to a stage where either something you think I guess comes to an end or it it can be kind of naturally ended yeah um and I think it kind of I, I, I honestly can't remember at the time but kind of looking back now it just feels like it kind of filled that that space in time mm. where there were kind of a combination of people that were on the edge of crisis, people that were in recovery, people that were kind of prepared to to speak openly about stuff that they'd experienced in the past. Um, so it kind of fitted that point in time. And I think it's, do, does something need to run for a certain number of, of years or months or whatever? I mean, even if it ran for a month, what you can achieve in that time can mean so much to the people that are part of it that it doesn't necessarily matter the, the length of time um but I always remember yeah that there were um maybe a slightly smaller number of people that were engaged but the number of people that were there were really engaged Uh, I guess you never know like the people that kind of are sitting in the background and reading and not necessarily actively participating but it really felt like everyone was feeding into the conversation yeah um and yeah, yeah was, just a, a very engaging environment to be part of. Yeah, it really was. It was just, it was a lovely time, you know, in, I guess, mental health campaigning. It was, it was, I really enjoyed it. And I, every time I think about it, it sort of warms my heart. And yeah, it's lovely. But times have moved on. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> My mic nearly fell out. <laughs> I did it. I was just yeah. like, I can't hear him anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's just such a, it was such a lovely time. And I think um, the fact, like we said at the beginning, the fact it's being reflected on now, mm-hmm. I think shows how much of an impact it had at the time. Um, yeah, because yeah, it's been good four years. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long period of time. And as you mentioned, yeah. it kind of got to the stage where kind of there were other things that you were going to go and do and, um that obviously has an impact on your kind of time uh your commitments for different things so you've kind of gone off and done other things and and kind of what's what's happened for you within that that as a summary it's a big gap of time yes but... I was gonna say it's a huge <laughs> amount of time what well probably of... the biggest thing would be that I finished my degree um And I did actually, I carried on mental health campaigning, especially in my last year at university. Um, I created a petition um, to try and bridge the gap between, um, for like, for university students, because where university students like live at uni for sort of say six, seven months of the year, and then they go home for say six months, five, six months of the year, but you can only be registered to one doctor. So it kind of happened that in my own experience, um, I came back from my year abroad, wasn't very well, went to my GP at home and just said to them, look, like I'm reaching mental health crisis point here. 
can you please help me? And they actually refused to help me because they were basically like, go to your GP at uni, which was 100 miles away. So this kind of bridged this idea of um, let's create a petition. Didn't think anything would happen of it. Mm. Um, and it, it actually, it went, uh, it got 20, over 27,000 signatures. Um, and I ended up going to Parliament and like discussing my petition. So that was a huge thing. But I think I put so much effort into that that then I kind of went completely the other way and I had to just stop campaigning completely after that. Mm. Um, and I haven't campaigned now for a year and a half. Um, and now I just, this year, I was just kind of like, you know what, I miss writing, I miss blogging. Um, I miss just being part of a really important conversation. Mm. So I've now decided that I'd like to get cracking on with it again <laughs> I think it's it's that side of sometimes isn't it and you, it, there's two quite big I would say projects or campaigns there that you are part of that there does come a time when sometimes you need to kind of have that break or step back mm. and it's trying to rejudge isn't it as well I think there are um there are easy comparisons to make when we're talking about kind of online content creation whether that's kind of videos podcasts blogging or whatever where you're kind of measuring yourself against other people that kind of you feel certain affinities to that may be producing on a a weekly or monthly basis when actually a lot of the I'd say a lot of the most important and probably most uh, the material that I connect with the most is by people that are writing probably on a seasonal basis um and I think it, it's it's rejudging, isn't it? That side of like you say at the beginning, that's a uh, the talk was a, a big project in terms of that weekly commitment and organising in between. Um, and then your petition obviously sounds like that went really well, and there's a lot of yeah. involvement that's going to be part of that. To then kind of rework out, okay, I still want to be involved in this, but actually, what does that look like, and how can I do exactly. that? Exactly. Um, Things change anyway because. Hmm. I noticed that, you know, I was a uni student when I started my blog. Mm. So although I was busy with uni work, you know, I was in charge of my own time. So when I didn't want to do uni work, I could sit down and blog. Mm. But that's been very different for me for the last year and a half where I've now been in full time employment. You know, I can't sit during my work day (laughs) blogging. (laughs) You know, I'm not sure they'd be happy to pay me for that. And then you come home and it's a whole different type of fatigue. You are just knackered in a whole other way that you're knackered when you're at work, uh, when you're at uni. So, again, it was kind of I've had to sort of try to figure out what blogging will look like for me, because at uni I was really good. You know, it was kind of weekly or fortnightly um, blog posts that would come Mm. out. I'd be writing in advance. Whereas now I've had to come to peace that actually I can still be a blogger and a good blogger. Even if that just means, you know what, I write when I've got the inspiration and I feel like mm. writing. Mm. And it's what I have to say is still valuable. Mm. I think there's a, I guess it depends on on what purpose and the different conversations that people are, are having. But kind of the, the purpose of the content that you write around mental health, while some of it might be particularly timely because there is a, a certain campaign running or mm, a certain yeah. awareness day or something like that. For the most part, it's material that is 
of benefit to someone to read at any time to hear about your story and your experience whether they read it kind of the hour or the day that you post it or you know in six months time it's going to fulfill that purpose and I think it's a slightly different approach I guess maybe to to maybe some of the other content creators and some of the other people that are involved in similar projects where it's easy to I guess make that comparison at times yeah that's so true actually yeah yeah, I'd never thought about it like that, but that is very true. Um, you mentioned kind of coming back to stuff this year as well. Like we're coming round now to uh, Time to Talk Day and a lot of stuff with, with Time to Change happening. So yeah, be interesting just to hear, I guess, like what are some of your thoughts about um, days like Time to Talk and some of the, the work and the campaigning that happens on certain themed days and things like that? I think they're still important because I think I think what happens is I've certainly realised it myself that I forget that I've kind of enclosed myself where all my friends and family and you know my social media everyone's very open to talk about mental health and I think I often forget that actually the rest of the world isn't there yet not all the time so these days are actually still really important to get those people talking or even just to kind of recognise, you know, that mental health is a thing and, you know, here's some resources. So it is really important. But I think now, as the mental health topic is becoming bigger, that actually, you know, especially when it comes to like the business, big businesses, the government you know, that kind of post, you know, look after your mental health, but then there's no funding that goes into services. There is still a huge gap. You know, you can tell hundreds of people, thousands of people to talk about their mental health, but if they need help, you know, the help isn't always there and it is still a postcode lottery and there are still enormous wait times for mental health help. So, yes, we need to still talk about mental health, but actually the people who are in power need to actually make changes and not just look like they care about mental health on important days, like awareness days, and actually care about it all the time because it affects people all the time. Yeah, I think that's really important to get across. I think my, like you say, you don't have to agree with me. You definitely don't have to. I think different views are really valuable. I think I'm so passionately a believer in that, like the awareness days or weeks really really matter um but it's just that they maybe matter to some people more than others and yeah that's okay like you say if I would say we're we're both at stages probably where there are certain types of support that might be useful to to both of us but we're also at a stage of of kind of recovery and acceptance with with our mental health that we're able to talk about it and we're not at that kind of first stage yeah um and I, I sometimes think that people sort of look at that day and go well I'm not at that stage and the people I speak to aren't at that stage we're all not at that stage and it sort of it forgets I think sometimes that echo chamber that we sit in where it's Mm. like well I'm really passionate about this and so I naturally speak to other people that are really passionate about it exactly and you sort of expect everyone's here and it's like well actually no probably making a bit of an assumption most of the population or a larger majority of the population aren't where our conversation is um so I think that's a really big thing and I think also 
one of the big things is 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 part of the campaign sometimes so they focus so much on talking rather than kind of listening and learning i think that's a that's a big thing but you're 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 so so right with the idea that um we've been left with a lot of um yeah empty gestures and i think nothing for me <laughs> nothing emphasizes this more than the like the the clapping for carers stuff that we saw yeah. last year yeah where you kind of see everyone out clapping being part of this air quotes campaign and it's like but at the same time we're not going to increase their pay or we're not going to support them we're not going to do this and it's like well you need to back that up with action exactly. so I, I, I do I appreciate and I really enjoy hearing from people that are I don't want to say they're anti-awareness days but it, it feels like that sometimes because they're like no we need action we need investment we need this this and this yeah. um so I think that is a really important side to put across because as you say it's all very well kind of encouraging people to come forward but if money isn't invested into services and support kind of okay where are they going to what what is yeah. that person I think I'm, I wouldn't say anti-awareness days because I think actually you know where where we are in our in our mental health journeys and where we are in the mental health conversation maybe they might not be useful necessarily to us but i think actually to somebody who you know may be feeling quite poorly um and is feeling like you know they're not sure where to turn actually an awareness day they they might see that awareness day in their calendar and think that's the day i'm going to go and talk to someone because mm-hmm. that's the day that you know almost as if it will be acceptable on that day to discuss mental health and yeah. like that can be really vital in someone reaching for help who might be ashamed and who might think well if I choose it on a day where actually it'll be all right to talk about mental health not realizing that you know of course it's okay to talk about it all the time mm. but as a society we don't really talk about it all the time it's you know the the conversation heightens on these specific days Mm. um so it it can be really vital for someone yeah sort of almost like a a giving permission isn't it I think like oh we give you permission to start talking on this day and and get kind of yeah taking advantage from that sometimes and when you start a conversation never stop look at us (laughs) (laughs) we started talking about mental health we'll never look back (laughs) yeah i tried to take a break of a year and a half and look at it i'm back here again (laughs) yeah i i think it's that side isn't it of realizing that you can get involved with with a community whatever that means to you you can kind of create those rapports those relationships with different people and um yeah i think the, the chat kind of emphasizes that the fact that you had people affected by different illnesses at different stages of kind of illness or recovery um people in different countries kind of all coming together and and having those i guess like peer-to-peer conversations um like that is all possible and that doesn't necessarily take you know a, a huge investment or a huge team those types of of projects or or forms of support are available to people it's just trying to trying to make people aware of of the fact that those conversations can happen exactly yeah yeah because it's definitely I mean I definitely found sort of at the start of my mental health journey that writing was a lot easier so I think that's why I found I may probably gripped myself to twitter because I was just like I found a community of people that I can talk to but I don't have to actually physically say anything I'm just yeah. typing 
Whereas mm. I think now I've shifted, which, you know, is, is, is better suited to where I'm at now. Mm. But I think that's why these online communities are so important because for somebody who may be struggling, who doesn't want to speak to loved ones because they're, they're worried about, you know, their reactions, having that online community just gives you a place to still vent and and say what you need to say and find support and reach out without having to actually physically say anything yeah and there's a big thing it's it's the overlap of me knowing something but not knowing it quite well enough (laughs) of there is a thing of of kind of uh not wanting or not being able to verbalize something because it makes it more real um and I think that is a like I would say I hear it more and more and that was definitely my experience as well where didn't feel comfortable or confident enough to Mm. to kind of yeah audibly say to someone I'm affected by or I'm struggling with or these are the kind of things I'm thinking um but to 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 write it down or to type it out was kind of the starting process for that and I think um I'm sure at some stage I might have been told that that's a useful thing to do as part of the different therapies and counsellings and and stuff I had afterwards but I don't ever really remember being told to do that and I think that's one of those things where it's encouraging people to utilise the using the term loosely but craft that that, that's available or 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 helpful to them whether that's writing or drawing or coloring or or whatever I think that can be a really good outlet for people um and again it's trying to trying to encourage conversation to happen so that people know this before something happens so if you start to struggle with certain thoughts or feelings you go I do remember I had this conversation and actually I could try doing this Mm. rather than like you say people are often left and and can feel increasingly isolated it makes it really difficult to reach out then if you don't know how to do that yeah exactly and I feel like especially unfortunately with like the NHS I do feel like at times it is a kind of you have to reach crisis point before you can access the help um Mm. And I think sometimes that could be really damaging um, and also avoids people wanting to go and reach for help. I mean, in the last year, I've decided to actually start private therapy and it has genuinely changed my life so far. Mm. Um, It's been the most eye opening experience um, and it makes me sad that it's not something that is available to everyone because I always felt like with my with the various types of therapy that I've had on the NHS because it was for such a short period of time it felt very much like oh you know you're depressed let's just try and make you feel better for six weeks um and then off you go Mm. and then but I always would end up having to come back you know I've been in therapy in and out since I was 16 you know it's just kind of like well surely there's something bigger here than just sticking a plaster over me every time Um, And I feel like having the privilege of being able to afford private therapy has meant that actually we can go so much deeper. And it's not just like, oh, you know, you've got six weeks to sort this out. You know, it's very much a case that my therapist has said from the get go, if this takes you years, that's fine. Mm. 
And it's just so nice to know I've got time. I don't need to heal within six weeks. You know, if it takes me a year and a half to heal, that's okay. Yeah, I think there's a there's a massive thing there around kind of the the way we use and the way we approach therapy as well. I think of mm. um, like you said, there about it's it's often you are you're kind of left or discouraged or isolated until crisis. Yeah. Um, and I think often I think the like kind of looking back in terms of the experience that I had and now working for a mental health charity seeing that side of I think the six weeks offering is actually quite a good one in terms of crisis yeah the problem is is that it's like well that's all people get offered and so it's okay then what um and I think that's where the dots are in terms of kind of talking about the different like we say craft and stuff like that in terms of yeah a preemptive um exactly. before someone yeah. gets to that stage yeah. and also encouraging people to go do you know what that's great that six weeks or however long has, has kind of helped get you out of that moment of crisis um and maybe you feel great or maybe you just feel like you're not in crisis but you're still struggling well it's okay to go and seek out kind of other therapy mm. or other counseling or other support like yes it would be lovely if that's free and sometimes it is but most of the time it's yeah. you paying for therapy or you paying to go to the gym or you paying to be part of a, a group or a club or an activity that kind of supports your well-being. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, therapy in particular is often left as like a this is for crisis. This is only when you're in crisis. Yeah. Do you sit down and do this when actually that approach of like, no, I just, I just need to talk some of this through with someone who, you know, we don't have that kind of peer-to-peer relationship they're not kind of air quotes a friend it's not someone that we have to bounce off of it's just someone I can kind of unload on and also they're going to be able to structure our conversations in a way that draws certain things out yeah it's such an important thing and still so I don't know undersold or kind of Mm. stigmatized in a way that oh you do that and it's like kind of everyone should do this <laughs> I know I know you know what I cannot like everyone should do therapy if you're listening to this please go to therapy it's great literally I it dawned on me probably a good sort of two or three months into therapy into my private therapy that I was like oh wow I don't have to be ill to be here mm. and like I you know I've always had to reach a certain point before it's been available before yeah. And it's so refreshing. And I probably actually get more out of it because I'm not, you know, the lowest of the lows or incredibly anxious or, you know, I'm struggling with day-to-day life. Because I'm not there, I'm probably, I might even be getting more out of it because I've got more space in my brain. Mm. And I'm not, you know, focusing on other things in a way. And I can just kind of, it feels more like maintenance rather than, I don't know trying to fix me (laughs) yeah no I definitely agree I think there is that um there was slightly different approach I'd say the probably the last time uh the last time I had like a spell of kind of therapy I would say I was on that edge of um like I wasn't feeling great I was definitely kind of in a bit of a depressive cycle but I was kind of okay I guess yeah um and it felt like a really good time to be um 
I guess, proactive around that. So I was really fortunate that I kind of was in a position where I guess I was low enough that I hit certain criteria, <laughs> um, but I was also well enough to kind of take on board more of the conversation. Yeah. And I think that's definitely where I see uh, like knowing people now that are um, in a similar situation to yourself where they are going to therapy as a as an active choice um and if i get no actually this is because i'm i'm okay at the moment but i know there are some underlying things i would like to work on or or investigate and i feel kind of well enough or safe enough to do that i'm not in crisis so i can take on board some of these things and go away and really kind of think about and and kind of ruminate on on what some of that means you need to be in a safe space to do that exactly yeah yeah it's just Therapy's great. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd be one of these people. I've always hated it, but this last lot, I love it. <laughs> it's just, I think it's such a different approach, though, as your experience is so different, and you probably, you probably speak about not only this kind of lot of therapy that you're having, but it probably makes you, I guess, I'm, I'm assuming here. Does it? I should ask. Does it make you think differently about your experience with therapy in the past? Like, does that now seem like it was trying to do something different or did it mean something different to you at the time? I think I think the biggest difference is that is my attitude. Um, I think because every time that I've been in therapy before I've hit crisis, it wasn't necessarily a choice to have therapy. It was kind of like, like, you know, when I was under 18, it was kind of like, well, no, you're going, you have to go like. And then when I was over 18, it was kind of like, I knew that if I didn't do it, that something bad would happen. Mm. But it, it still wasn't me being like, like, I really want to, to get better and actively work on myself. It was always more, it, I guess it was never really felt like a choice. And I never really... I never really clicked with anyone. There was only one therapist for the NHS who was absolutely amazing. She saved my life. Hats off to her. Absolutely amazing woman and cannot thank her enough. I'm where I am today because of her. But even her therapy, I literally went into it and I was just like, I don't want to be here. Um, Whereas this therapy, I guess in the sense, because I'm paying for it, you know, Mm. I have to want to be there. If I don't want to be there, why am I going to waste my money? Mm. And I think that makes me put more effort in. Whereas I think sometimes before, maybe again, because I was younger, Mm. I didn't put as much effort in. I think maybe because it was free as well. I just thought, well, I don't care. And I don't know. I just, I didn't put too much effort in, but then I was obviously stuck in the vicious cycle where I just kept going into therapy, out of it, and then back sort of a year later um so I think I've needed to go private in order to start to break that cycle and to actually learn more about myself Mm. I I do have a I feel like this is possibly a slightly weird question or um so like when I've looked at uh private counseling and therapy and stuff before um you the, the like the couple of places that I've looked at you get like a little um like catalogue I guess of Mm. of therapists and you can look through at different like expertise and things like that so did you have an opportunity to kind of go through and 
kind of pick out who you were going to speak to? Yes. So I looked online. I searched online. Um, and like, as you said, they had like their special like specialties. Mm. Um, and I kind of before I did that, I wrote a list down of all the things that I knew I needed to work on. Mm. Um, and some of the things like I'd never delved into with other therapists, but things that I was kind of like that needs to be dealt with. Um, and so once I'd made my list, I was then able to go online and then have a look. And basically, my criteria was they had to tick all of them. If they didn't specialise in something, then how could I know that they'd be able to help me deal with that? Mm. Um, and then I think there was about two two that made the cut in the end. And I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll email them. So I think I emailed. And actually, there was a waiting list for my lady that I'm with now. Mm. Um, so I think I had to wait about two months. Um which I think when I actually first contacted her, I wasn't actually doing too great. And I was kind of like, oh, I've got to wait another two months. And at the same time, I got put on NHS therapy waiting list. Okay. And I think it took, a, so about two months later, I finally started with my lady. And it took about a year before the NHS got back to me wow. to say I finally had a space. And I kind of thought at the time when I reached out to the lady I'm with now, you know, I wasn't in a great place. I could feel myself going towards crisis. Mm. But the NHS, the best they could offer me was a year wait, which is kind of like, you know, when you can kind of see where this is going, you don't really have a year to wait. Mm. Um, So by having that private therapy, I was then able to avoid that um, and kind of bring myself back on track. Um, And then, yeah. So been <laughs> rose and dandy or whatever the saying is since <laughs> well not completely but you know what I mean <laughs> I do I do <laughs> I think um yeah it's really interesting hearing that there's there's sometimes a wait for mm. for that private therapy as well I, think. I didn't think there would be um um I hadn't heard of a wait like quite as long as that but yeah I think I in my head I still have the expectation that it's like if not a few weeks like a month like a kind of oh, I like, thought it was gonna be instant. I thought she was gonna be like, Yeah, I'll see you next week. Like some some <laughs> probably are, but yeah. I think if you're I guess if you're narrowing down like if you've got a hit list of stuff, hit list is probably not the right yeah, term. No. Um if, you, <laughs> if you've got kind of like your your list of things that you're looking for and you're kind of being quite specialist in who you're looking for, I always think like, Oh, okay, then there's like the possibility that this person mm. is gonna be quite um uh, like a high in demand if they're if they're hitting yeah, quite a few true. boxes yeah that's true um but it's yeah it's, it's really hard to know but I think it's really interesting and it's really important to hear people talk about those different experiences of therapy as well and different times mm. and different purposes that they feel yeah um we kind of briefly mentioned earlier basically the shitness that has been the last year um <laughs> but um in an attempt to try to be kind of positive and look forward are there things kind of coming up that you're you're thinking about doing or looking into or, or hoping to do this year um do you know what I would love to do it's been a dream of my rages and I've decided to start saving up my dream has always been to go around in a not a camper van, but, you know, like a converted van. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. The dream is to go and do the Scotland 500. What so, is the Scotland 500? It's 
like a it's a road trip route that goes 500 miles around the edge of Scotland and it's meant to be stunning and I've always wanted to well I was I was at one point thinking of buying a converted van but then Mm. I thought I don't like camping so I might not like sleeping in a converted van (laughs) so it's like best to rent so my plan this summer covid um permitting is to go and do the scotland uh 500 um in a van that's the plan oh so that's that's pretty much the only thing at the minute that i've got to look forward to i would still my fingers and hope that's possible i mean arguably that really that is literally the travel isn't it? it's not necessarily you're not interacting necessarily with loads of people so it, it is just your travel yeah so we can be we can be hopeful of such a thing. Yes, yes. So I would love to do that, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure I'll blog all about it if I do. <laughs> <laughs> I said I wanted to sleep in a van. I really don't. <laughs> yes. The thing is, in, uh, just I can imagine it. I'm going to fly to Edinburgh, rent a van, and for the first night, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> but I won't. I'll love it. I'll, I'll take you know lots of warm layers and. <laughs> Hopefully I'll love it. I mean, the pic, you know, it looks nice when people do YouTube videos. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be back this fall, this autumn, telling everyone about my experience. (laughs) Oh, dear. How long would that? Well, I guess you could do it in a couple of days, but how long is it meant to take? Well, I think they say ideally do it in five days. Okay. I would probably take 10 so that I can really sort of take it slowly, stop off everywhere that I want to stop off Mm. and just really sort of soak it in. Mm. But yeah, that is what I'd like to do. I mean, I'd also like to get back into campaigning, you know, just doing more, especially blogging. I'd Mm. like to just blog, but... I guess I just I come back from work and I'm very tired so that often doesn't leave much room in my brain for for blogging but you know I will get there and I'm sure at some point I'll be putting out content that I'm really proud of it's not forcing it as well isn't it I think like you say you come back with that with that that passion and that desire to to get involved but also knowing it doesn't have to be every week or every fortnight or even every month um it's kind of finding those moments and I think it's it's sometimes the the amount of times I read about people having schedules and planners and and I just I don't really know how I can't I think because that's so far from what I do I struggle to imagine that and I'm like mine's a bit more like if I can feel like I can type that out and it makes Mm -hmm. sense I can do it straight away if I feel like I can be bothered to get out of bed and find a bit of paper uh, mine's (laughs) very much more in the moment rather than like on Friday at six o'clock I will sit down for two hours and I will write some Mm. stuff Um, see I think this is why I stopped blogging because that's what I was like I was mm. like Sunday morning every Sunday morning I'm gonna blog for x amount of time in, Mm. in bed and then it just came to a point where I was like well, I don't know what to say. So then I'd publish a post, but then, you know, it wouldn't do as well. And then I'd start to criticise myself because mm. it hadn't done that well. And actually, I didn't put my heart into the the blog post in the first place. 
Mm. And because I was forcing myself, I think that's why I fell out of love with blogging. Yeah, I, like I said, I I, I really, I, I can't quite get my head around because it it's, it's so, I imagine it's what most people do. <laughs> but mm. just because it's not what I do, it's that idea of, yeah, having that set time. Um, but it's fine, like you say, it's finding what works for you. There's nothing to say that that might exactly. not be the thing that works for you in the future. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of that discovery very much I guess like we've spoken already about the the therapy side of you know Mm. trying things and and working out what what works for you blogging can be very much the same it can be something that you really enjoy but it's like how does how does that look when do I do it what sort of content is it um and I think last I don't know if it's probably not last year probably the year before I remember really starting to see kind of the the well I say the growth on my feed it could have already been happening elsewhere but the growth of like Instagram bloggers I guess of like Mm, there being a full post as a caption to a picture which I'd not really seen like like yeah from maybe in the last two years kind of prior to that I've not really seen that I'd always it it was always kind of you know a couple of lines maybe yeah um and that felt like a real time when actually there was a lot of of discussion, a lot of content that was being produced in what I would call like a blog format in that there was mm-hmm. lots of words, um, but it always sat underneath a picture. And it was almost yeah. like the picture was kind of the focus when actually <laughs> there's like this big long post here. And I remember at first like looking for like links and stuff and I was like, well, they must have like a website. And like most of them don't have websites and it's just this is my Instagram page and this is where I kind of have these thoughts and expressions and stuff. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really interesting to see kind of the the growth of those discussions and where they're now happening in, in and in places that they weren't before or, or... Well, now there's TikTok. Yeah, it's just... Now there's mental health conversations going on on TikTok and sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, can I can I put my little two pence in there? And then I'm just like, I'm not sure how I'd work it. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, you know what? I think I need to stick to blogging. But his social media is evolving. Mm. And so the way that the conversations can be had is evolving. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, when I see there's even a mental health TikTok, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just constantly changing, isn't it? it? It's just, yeah, so many different opportunities. I have to admit tiktok very much like snapchat is one that i've i've just skipped oh really (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. there are some things that despite how big they are and how popular they are i just go that's not going to work for me (laughs) it's it's just not going to happen i can can mike do you know what i think we call this (laughs) we're getting older (laughs) because literally i just look at some of the people on tiktok i'm like you're so you're so young <laughs> and then i just think oh that that was you know that was us when we were younger and you know twitter and well we yeah we kind yeah. of got obsessed with twitter when twitter was this whole big thing and now you know tiktok's all the rage so we're just of a different generation now <laughs> well I, I i think there is i have made a few attempts at instagram tv and it just i just struggle with the motivation oh really I yeah i can't I think because I feel I I guess when you start or when I feel like I start stuff I fall back into that routine that we've spoken about of trying to do things regularly yeah 
and because that's not how I do anything at well I guess a podcast is kind of regular um it's not how I do most other things uh it just feels like quite a lot of effort for something I'm not really convinced of I guess um and there can be some things that you really enjoy kind of consuming but you don't want to be a producer of content on that platform yeah and that's totally fine like the amount of the amount of youtube that i watch particularly this year um is just ridiculous um and i keep on thinking oh if i if i sat here and had this background that'd be lovely and i'm like i don't actually want to film a video but i just love thinking about what i would have as my backgrounds (laughs) (laughs) do you know what though actually quite interestingly um there's a youtuber that i watch they do like daily vlogs they're Mm. called the sacconi jolies i don't know if you know them but they have started a podcast and actually surprisingly enough so they they release their podcast like most podcasts you know to various channels Mm. they also film it and then they put it on their youtube channel and i actually really enjoy watching their podcast and i don't know why i didn't you know because podcasts you're just quite happy to listen to them but for some reason i find it really satisfying to just watch them as they're talking i have i have watched a couple oh i can't i can't remember what they were talking about there was also some that were just like um normal like chit chat Mm. ones and i feel like there's a big difference there are some that look really really good and are nice to watch and they're kind of well filmed and then others which is probably how i would end up filming it um that don't look great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that, that puts me off because I feel like that's not quite as enjoyable to watch because like the video is not great like the conversation is still good but yeah um and that's where you go right okay I need to set up a second camera so there's a camera like watching true, the screen yeah. and, um I think those sort of things are like they would be awesome to do as like one-offs mm. um as a yeah like um yeah like a couple of times a year or whatever you're like oh I'm gonna go and meet someone and we're gonna sit down and film it together would be really cool and I think that would be something that that would be something that I'd be interested in doing but I think regularly it's just not but it is really cool that you can now watch that because yeah there are definitely things that I'd say I probably watched that I wouldn't listen to if there wasn't a Mm. picture attached to them I guess yeah um but yeah it's really interesting to see like the growth of of the different ways these conversations are happening and, and um that seems to always be evolving mm, and hopefully we we will be able to um kind of have more conversations in the future as well and to kind of um get a bit more of an update on on what you're doing later in the year and how things go is have another update in four years yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, there's been a couple of times I think where someone's come back on and I said oh it's been like it's been sort of nine months maybe a year and a bit hasn't it since you came on yeah. and they're like it's been two and a half years <laughs> like, it's really been that long oh, okay yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. well it's great and I'm so glad to be back on and yeah as I was saying earlier it's like I've got a full circle and you know I've kind of came on when I was just starting my mental health, my mental health campaigning mm. and then now now I've decided to sort of go back to it but in a completely different mindset and attitude I feel like you know you're almost getting like a, a reborn Angela <laughs> yeah I mean you're getting an Angela that kind of 
seems to have disavowed her name of Doris, which not. Oh to... yeah, no, that's that that's long gone. <laughs> but do you know what? I love that it still exists, and every single time I come across someone who's called Doris, <laughs> I think of you. <laughs> I still, I do, I still love when there's um, like a random conversation that will happen, and it'll be like, oh, I remember when when we were doing the chat with Doris and da da da, and someone will come into the conversation, and it'll be someone new that hasn't been part of it before and he's just like oh yeah Doris (laughs) it's like no they they yeah yeah still recruiting people (laughs) but you know what it was in that first podcast because I remember I came on and I was like you don't know my name and that's when it started it was during your podcast was it oh I do or we chatted just before because it was kind of like do I say who I am do I stay anonymous and that I think is when I came out and said this is my name and that's where I started using my real name yeah because I think did we maybe it was like before I can't remember yeah was it before like the episode and we said I'll like I think you were gonna did you say like I'll see how it goes I might not yeah and then it was because I remember in in the episode I think twice maybe um you used your name and then it was really interesting because I remember now you've said that I remember at the time thinking oh like it's really nice you felt comfortable enough to do that but I'm also really sad because I don't want Doris to go (laughs) and Doris (laughs) was the end well Doris I don't think Doris will ever go now come on it's five years later and everyone's still calling me Doris so (laughs) you started something there yeah yeah maintain that for as long as possible um so if um if people do want to kind of find out a little bit more about you and catch up on the adventures of, of Doris who now goes as Angela um where where can they go to kind of find out about you and some of the things that are going on um so I have a blog um which is www.unapologeticallyangie.com um and then the, probably the best place would be twitter um where my handle is at uh, underscore unapologetic a um, and that's where I kind of usually update about what's going on, what campaigning I'm doing. Um, so that's probably the best way to sort of keep in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming back on and for giving us um, a five-year update. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please come back again sooner. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been really nice to sit down and just to have a chat, really, and to hear about how things are going. I think also really nice kind of uh uh just a, a general chat about therapy i think is mm. is a really nice thing to have and um hopefully encourages people to kind of go away and feel like that is something that they can talk to to kind of friends and relatives about and to have open discussions about therapy so thank you so much for for sharing that with us as well thank you for having me i've loved being back on it's been amazing it has it's been so good <laughs> i've loved it i'm roaring i'm ready to go now ready to carry on my campaigning these are real people they do have struggles and it starts to get on my nerves i just shut down so many people suffer from mental illness to get the word out that men have got to start talking so i told everything and her face dropped a lot of people don't understand the depth 
of the situation, so they can appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.